Live to tape. Andrew. Hello. Matt. Andrew. Andrew Sims. The, f- the fuck? What what it what is he doing? I don't know. It's been a while since he's uh, gone to get his asshole bleached. Um I imagine it's mm. that. That's true. Did he take Matt? He must have. <sighs> I swear to God. Well, I guess it's just you and me. Alright. fuck it fuck it we'll do it live this is millennial season three episode 32 i'm laura i'm elisa i'm and i'm matt fucking stupid (laughs) oh uh so it's just the two of us this week uh i actually have no idea what they're doing no i don't either (laughs) in seriousness there's been no explanation for why they're not here this week. It was literally just, oh, sorry, can't be on. And we were like, uh, okay, well, I guess it's just us, which is really convenient because I'm going to see you the day after tomorrow. That's right. I know. I'm pretty pumped for it. Um, God, I haven't, I haven't met your dog yet. I know. I haven't met your boyfriend. Um... I'm really and glad that you you have the order of importance on those things right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> your dog's been in your life a lot longer. And, um, that is true. I'm, I'm actually excited to, to meet Mark, though. I am excited to meet him because I'm going to have a nice long chat about, oh, about you God. dating you, the 101, dating Laura. You already know what that's like. No, I mean, yeah, but it's been a while since you and I were in our honeymoon phase. That was like 10 mm-hmm. years ago, so. That's true. Are you going to, like, get out your shotgun and, like, cock it? you like, if you if you hurt her, I'll shoot you. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not, I, I, no. <laughs> because you want to know why? Because my father is that type of person. And I know what mm-hmm. that's like. Uh, my dad chased a boy off of our property when I was a teenager because he came over wearing a Dallas Cowboys jacket. And he grabbed a shovel and chased him off of the property because he Holy was shit. wearing a Cowboys uh, jacket. So, you know, um, I'm not going to embarrass you to that extent. I'll just okay. I'll find I'll find other ways. Oh, don't worry. He's already talking about all of the really fun, embarrassing things that he wants to tell you about me. I can't me. wait. So- I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I, oh my God. I, I want to, I legit want to record something with him for, for the show. <sighs> He'll do it too. I know. That's the thing. It's like, I can't even, I team. can't even say no because I know he will. He's a team player. That's why. Hey, so, uh, Elisa, do you often shop at Whole Foods? <laughs> I don't know if this is a conversation we're having or if you just turned into like an advertisement bot. Um, <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, I do. I honestly don't shop at Whole Foods a, a bunch just because it's really pricey. Um, except for their cheese. They have some rock and cheese. So I'll go there when I'm having like a wine and cheese night. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I... To be honest with you, I never shopped at Whole Foods because uh, it's, to me, it's called Whole Paycheck because it's so fucking expensive to buy anything there. Uh, But Whole Foods is now getting some, like, brand new Amazon Prime pricing. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. Um, But as of Monday, the 28th, uh, when Amazon took over, they dropped prices by, like, 43%. On most items in the store. Wait, 43%? Yeah. 
Okay, so I, I had heard that they were going to be dropping prices for Prime members, but I did not expect that deep of a cut. Well, I guess it is only for Prime members. I don't think it's for everybody. But, sure, but still. Um, But yeah, like I was looking at this breakdown today, like bananas used to cost 99 cents. Now they're 69 cents. Fucking Atlanta caught sam or Atlantic caught salmon used to be fourteen ninety nine and now it's nine ninety nine. Oh my god. I know. And I mean given the fact that we are now approaching that point in our lives where these things matter to us and we're not just living off bagel bites and popsicles, mm. I feel like I'm <laughs> well, this is like speak for yourself. Yeah. Um I feel like I might consider buying a few things here just to see, you know, what it's all about. Oh, no, for sure. That's, I mean, that was really the only thing keeping me back from Whole Foods was their price point. So I, mm-hmm. I'm really all in for that shit. That's awesome. Let's go. Let's go when you're here this weekend. Okay. Seriously? They have great cheese, man. Well, we'll go get some cheese and we'll go to the really shitty liquor store around the corner from me and get some cheap ass wine. And there we go. perfect. Awesome. Uh, Before we move into a couple of announcements and then some news, I did want to give a plug for for this episode of After Dark. Uh, Now that Game of Thrones has ended for the season, we're going to do a Game of Thrones discussion, me and Elisa in After Dark. It's going to be completely spoiler-filled, so if you don't want to be spoiled, you shouldn't listen to it. But it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about the things that Game of Thrones has done consistently really well over the seasons, and the things that... Eh, maybe they haven't done quite so well. The places where we felt like there could have been better character development, places where there were complete plot holes that made absolutely no sense. Uh, but we're still going to make sure to touch on all the moments that we loved from this current season. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I've been mm-hmm. waiting for this season to end so that we could talk about it. Um, I have many, <laughs> many, many thoughts. Me too. And... This is our big announcement, probably one of the biggest announcements uh, announcements we've done in a long time. Um, we are onboarding a bunch of new Patreon benefits as of September 1st. So some of you might remember that a few weeks ago we sent out a survey looking for your feedback on Patreon, and now we're taking your suggestions and we're putting them into action. So we have five new benefits to announce on this week's show. So at the $2 Friends with Benefits level... We're actually going to add a new benefit called Palace Intrigue. Elisa, can you tell us about this? So this sort of stemmed from a conversation that we all had um, in After Dark one time when I was reading some of our old AIM chats, and I realized I've got a lot of dirt on you guys, um, and, <laughs> yes, vice, yeah. and vice versa. <laughs> and I know that one of the, th- you know, the, the patrons tend to be people who have followed us for a long time who are really invested in the show, and so Palace Intrigue is going to be um, random tidbits from our personal lives. They're going to be private photos that we've taken, um, text messages that we've exchanged with each other, um, all candid, personal, private uh, interactions that we have behind the scenes. Some of them will be from our past, back in our Harry Potter days, so you'll get some fun insight into things like the imprint tour that we did for Twilight, uh, MuggleCast, uh, but then others will obviously be recent, up-to-date things that are happening this week. Laura and I exchange text messages regularly. Uh, we have a group chat together that gets really funny and out of hand. So I think um, I think it'll be fun. So that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a lot of just random tidbits from our personal private lives. And the the dirtier, the better. I'm going to be hunting as often as I can for the most embarrassing stuff. Oh my god, I'm just, because I'm just looking back and remembering all the conversations that I had with you when I was a young teen about my self-discovery. <laughs> just like... Oh, I know. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. I remember, oh I remember, I remember like asking, oh god, I remember asking you questions about my about my body. I was like, I don't know what this is. What does this do? <laughs> this is way back in the day, of course. One of the things that I'm thinking about posting early on, um, we used to joke, Laura, 
about writing a a tell-all book about what it was like to be in the Harry Potter fandom. Um, yes. I think it was called, like, uh, MuggleNet, A History. And no, it was called MuggleFuck. Oh, MuggleFuck. MuggleFuck, A History. <laughs> because, Jesus Christ, it it's... It was nothing like anyone would imagine. A lot of people think about Harry Potter and and Harry Potter dorks, and they think, oh, yeah, look at these mouth breathers going to their fucking conventions. No, no, no. It was like alcohol, drugs, sex, drama, crazy shit. Uh, and, we've, and we've talked so much about writing a book about it. Um, we actually did, at one point, write, like, the first chapter. <laughs> yeah, we did. We wrote the first chapter to that tell-all, and I have it. So I think oh one of the first things that I'm going to put, one of the first things I'm going to post on Patreon as part of this new benefit is that chapter. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. This is humiliating. Oh, okay. It's great, though. It's great. Oh, I'm crying. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, at the $5 one true pairing level, we're adding The Landy Show. And we'll do it live. So The Landy Show is going to be a bi-monthly, so twice a month, uh, video blog slash news show that Andrew and I are going to be recording. Uh, we decided that oftentimes we feel like even though we record this show weekly, there are a lot of midweek updates that could really happen when shit goes down in the middle of the week. Um, so Andrew and I decided we want to do this show between the two of us. Uh, it's going to be kind of like a replacement for blogs, except it's going to be better because we're actually going to be engaging with each other and not just talking straight into a camera about what we did that day. Um, so I'm pretty excited for it. We kind of test drove it when Matt and I did that little special mini-sode a couple of weeks ago, and it went really well. So he and I decided that we wanted to uh, to take up the torch and continue it. And yeah. then... Uh, We'll Do It Live is also going to be at the $5 level. Uh, and this is really cool. Each episode is going to be streamed live as we're recording it. It's going to be audio only. But you'll be able to join in the conversation by using a comment section below the stream. And we may even read your feedback on the air, which will give the show a kind of new dynamic feel that we haven't had before. Um, and additionally, we're now guaranteeing that each installment of After Dark will be a minimum of 25 minutes. Yeah. A lot of new stuff at the $5 level. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. And then do you want to talk about the new $10? So, yeah, the new benefit, the $10 level, is going to be a handwritten letter from one of the four of us, myself, Laura, Andrew, or Matt. Um, you're guaranteed to get one from us. It could be, we don't know exactly what we're going to write yet. So stay tuned to find out, but it will be personalized. It will come straight from one of us. You're not going to know which one it's going to come from until you actually get it. So I think that is part of the surprise. It, you know, if you get one from me, you'll probably just get a diatribe on John Locke and the enlightenment period. Or if you get one from Matt, you'll probably just get an envelope full of glitter. But, um, Either way, it, it should be fun. I'm really looking forward to this because I know that it's it's a cool way for us to connect to our biggest supporters really directly and really personally. So that will be next year's $10 physical benefit. And speaking of physical benefits, I've got an update on the posters for you guys. The last batch of posters is hitting the mail at the end of this week. So as of the end of this week, they will all be in the mail. Um... I would say if you haven't received it within a couple of weeks of the end of this week, go ahead and reach out and let us know. Um, but we are sending it with our return address on it. So hopefully if anything gets sent back, we do get it back. Um, but yeah, they look really great. We put pictures up on Twitter and uh, in our Facebook group as well. I'm really excited to get those out. Thank you so much for your patience. Um, I could go on and tell you about the process that these posters have been, but it is a very long, very convoluted story. And I'm just really glad that we're finally getting them out to you guys. Yeah. Um, and then as for all of these benefits, they're all uh, taking place at the beginning of September, as I mentioned. Um, really hope that you guys are happy with these benefits. 
Uh, we would love to get your feedback on them. So if you have anything that you want to sound off about, go in the Facebook group. You can post in the Patreon comments. You can tweet us, email us, whatever the fuck way you want to tell us that you do or don't like these things would be great. So now, speaking of Patreon, we're going to kick off the show by doing a $10 associate producer's choice. And we found kind of a common theme with a couple of these, and it was dealing with consumer sexism. So Elisa, do you want to read the first one from Ashley? Sure. Ashley says, I just saw a post from a former coworker on Facebook about <clears throat> how she was almost taken advantage of for repair of her washer and dryer due to her being female by trying to quote her at a higher price when they heard her feminine voice, even asking her for, quote, the man of the house. Why the fuck is this still a thing? Have you ladies experienced this kind of sexism? I know for sure you have, Laura. <laughs> yeah. And before we go into answering that question, because we definitely will, April also wrote in expressing similar sentiments. So I just wanted to um, highlight what she said as well. Apparently, she and her husband were earlier this year in the process of building their own home. And she said the sales agent at the model homes kept addressing her husband instead of her for almost everything except for the kitchen. And then when it came to talking about money, he would look at her husband and say, if you got to spend a little to make her happy, I think it's worth it. Bear in mind, April makes three to four times what her husband makes. So <laughs> it's her money and it's their money, she says. But she also feels like if she wants to spend it on an extra bathroom or a large-ass kitchen island and a fabulous tile floors, then she will. And it's not up to, quote, asking her husband for money. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is, that is really, like, that makes my blood boil. Um, and I've had firsthand experience with this. Um, so I, last year, purchased my car. Uh, bought it on my own, financing it on my own, pay my own insurance, have my own policy. Um, and it just so happened that I was on State Farm, which is the same insurance provider that my parents have. And shortly after I bought the car, like a ding dong, I scraped it against a concrete pole in my parking garage at work. Um, and so I filed a claim to get it fixed. And the insurance company called my father. Wow. After I filed my claim. Wow. Mind you, his name is not on my car and it was not on my policy. That just doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. I know. And the reason, the reason ultimately they ended up later claiming it was because we had the same address and because we were in the same household, therefore. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But see, the thing is, this didn't happen just once. They called my father multiple times. And each time they called him about the claim, he would tell them again and again, stop calling me. This is my daughter's car. It was an incident that my daughter got into. She has her own policy. She's the one that filed the claim. You need to call her. Here's her number. And they just kept calling and calling him. Right. And they yanked me around in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, but it finally uh, ended up with me going on Twitter and complaining about it. So I started complaining about the number of times that they were calling my father instead of me to file my claim. And I just kept hashtagging it, casual sexism. Yeah. And tagging State Farm in all the posts. And Good. finally, I ended up getting a call from, like, one of their, like, support managers to apologize. But they didn't ultimately do anything about it. I no longer uh, use State Farm because they ended up fucking me in a couple of other ways. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're an example of a company that does not respect women, clearly, at least in my case. So I know how you feel. That's a pretty egregious example, too, yeah. because in your case, your father had nothing to do with the car or the policy at all. Yeah. Like, that's that's so blatant to me. Uh, I, you know, I don't think I've had anything 
quite on that level. The closest thing that I can think of is when I my car broke down and I told my my boss at work about it because I was gonna be I was gonna be late. And he told me, make sure you take a man with you when you go to get it fixed. And it's like, uh, that's all right. The mechanics that I take my car to, I've grown up with my whole life. Like, we're family friends. I know them. I don't need to take a dude with me. And he was like, oh, well, like, you like, or something about how, oh, well, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to, to point you in the right direction, whether they're family friends or not. It's always good to have someone around who knows cars. And it was like, <sighs> wow, okay. Um, and to be fair, I don't really know shit about cars. But also to be fair, neither do the men in my life. I mean, so I don't think it would have made a difference at all. And it's also just something that I feel is inappropriate to say to a coworker, particularly a subordinate. Um, that's really just not your place. To be like, hey, make sure you take a dude with you because they'll know better than you. Ha ha ha. You know. Like- well, yeah, because Elisa, when men are born, they come out of the womb with two things. Mm. They come out with their dicks and a handbook on all information on all cars ever. Yeah. What, what do women come out with then? Um, I think we come out already being beaten into the ground by the patriarchy. There you go. I have to be honest. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think we come out with frying pans um, and sugar and spice. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've experienced this a few different ways. I remember one time I was with a, a male friend of mine and I owed him some money. I forget what for. Probably drugs. And, um, we were going to a party that night and we were stopping at the liquor store to like get our alcohol. And I was like, well, Hey, I owe you money. Why don't you just let me buy your booze? Mm-hmm. He was like, okay. So he picked out a handle of whatever he wanted. And we went up to the register and like, we put our stuff down. And when the cashier who was also male told us the total, he like looked at my friend for payment and I just kind of like grabbed money out of my purse and like shoved it at this guy like I'm paying for this and he was like so taken aback that he dropped my money like he was so shocked by this that he dropped my money on the ground then he picked it up and he you know he put it in the register and he got out the change and then he went to hand the change to my friend and not me Mm -hmm. and I again yeah I again shot my hand out and was like that's mine. I mean, I don't even know like how you combat this other than just being very loud about it. I like, like to just I I like to just be snarky about it so that they feel stupid. Any opportunity I I have to make them feel dumb for assuming things about me in my life, I take it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's just like, "Oh, you know, make sure, <laughs> make sure, you know, you bring a, a guy with you because they'll know more about, about what's wrong with the car than you will. Um, I would like to have been able to say something like, you know, oh, well, actually I was like 2014 motorist of the year or whatever the fuck, like just make something up and just to, to make them feel really stupid about it. Um, Either that I'd be like, oh, no, no, it's okay. I've got my special strap-on penis that I can put on when I have to go do man things. Yeah, exactly. I just shoot myself up with, like, a vial of testosterone. (laughs) I, like, just sort of beat the air with my hand and stare at tits for 30 minutes, and I'm good to go. (laughs) And people take me more seriously. It's fine. (sighs) This reminds me, this this. this is kind of unrelated. But when it just talking about how, you know, making people feel stupid for their assumptions about things, it reminded me of the time that we were in California visiting uh, Matt and Andrew and we went to like a comedy club and it was Mother's Day. Oh my God. And it was Mother's Day. And um, the guy at the front 
the guy at the front letting everyone into the into the comedy club was checking our IDs to make sure that we were of age. He looks at my ID and, and he was like, oh, from Baltimore, you're a long way from home. What are you doing all the way out here on Mother's Day? Shouldn't you be home back on the East Coast with your mama? And very deadpan, I was just like, my mother's dead. And he, he really didn't have a reaction. That was it. Um, no, he he just handed your ID back to you and just went on to the next person. Yeah. Line. He didn't say anything. I thought it was funny, but like, <laughs> it's a comedy club. Come on, have a laugh. But also, also, that is a dangerous thing to say to somebody. Like, w- plenty of people do not actually have parents. And it's kind of presumptuous to like, even jokingly criticize somebody for not being with their mom on Mother's Day. He totally deserved it. Yeah, he did. Anyway. Oh, man. Well, we're kind of uh, <laughs> jumping into a, a topic that is not much lighter. Uh, so we all know about Hurricane Harvey, and Elise, I know that you're going to leave this. Um, but just to give a little bit of background here, um, this was the hurricane that hit... Uh, southeast Texas on the Gulf side during this previous week, and it's been really horrific. Right. Yeah. So uh, Hurricane Harvey made landfall over the weekend, and this is an incredible figure. 15 trillion gallons of water has fallen across the greater Houston area um, over, over the past 48 hours this past weekend. That doesn't even count the water that that fell in Louisiana, which was also hit hard by this hurricane. FEMA and their partners so far have conducted more than 3,500 independent water rescues. And that's just so far. This is still ongoing because just earlier today, one of the levees near Houston broke. And they, the government, the local, the local government announced everyone get out if you can, if at all possible, get far, far away from here because somehow the flooding is actually going to get worse now that the levee's broken. So 3,500 water rescues so far, and they plan to still be in the area for at least another three weeks. And the idea that three weeks from now, we could still have people abandoned on their roofs trying to get the fuck out is is gut-wrenching. Um, as of tonight, Tuesday night, more than 17,000 Texans were in shelters. That doesn't include the tens of thousands of people still stranded in their homes or, once again, the tens of thousands of people in shelters in Louisiana. Just in Texas alone, 17,000 in shelters. And th- those are those are just some numbers I think are important to to wrap our, our heads around because we hear a lot about how this was such an unprecedented storm. And, and it was, people keep saying that this kind of storm was like one in every 500 years, you get something this intense. Um, and yet, and yet the Gulf has experienced three hurricanes of almost equal intensity just in the past five years. Um, and, and that sort of begs the question, why, why is that happening? And I think everyone knows where we're going with this, right? Climate change. And that has been, I I was going to say America legalizing gay marriage, but okay. (laughs) We're asking for it, right? We, we made a deal with the devil and now God is making us repent. I mean, look at what we were wearing. We kind of had it coming. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so climate change has really come to the forefront here with, with Hurricane Harvey because, um, everyone's just sort of wondering why, why is something on this magnitude, something that's supposed to only happen once every 500 years, why has it been happening so much? I mean, the past decade, even the coast has seen some incredible hurricanes, um, and Scientists are telling us that climate change doesn't cause hurricanes, not even Harvey, obviously. So we can't blame climate change for Harvey. But what we can say is that climate change makes hurricanes worse. Hurricanes are around regardless of climate change, obviously. They're a natural function of our climate system. 
But the fact that they're so intense and that they're so much worse than they ever have been before. I mean, 15 trillion gallons of water in two days. That's incredible. That shouldn't happen. And so they actually estimated, FEMA actually estimated that roughly 30% of the waterfall, of, or the rainfall, I should say, roughly 30% of the rainfall from Hurricane Harvey can be attributed to climate change. The hurricane would have happened anyway. So in the interest of, of facts being facts, we can't say that climate change caused Harvey, but they did say that climate change made Harvey notably worse and that somewhere around 30% of the rainfall is attributed to, to climate change. So that's significant. That's significant. 30% is a lot. Um, and I don't know. I just thought that that was worth, that was worth mentioning yeah. because everyone's debating it. Yeah. I think the thing to me that's really striking about this is of course the human element. This is something that you've talked about in the past that like, unfortunately the science behind it doesn't really appeal to the vast majority of people. Right. Um, but if you have like a human element, if you have a human interest part of the story that can drive it home for people. And for me, the part of this story that did that was the part where they told people who either opted not to evacuate or who didn't evacuate in time to write their names and social security numbers on their arms so they could be identified. Oh my God. That's because, heartbreaking. Yeah. They were like, yeah, if you stay, you're probably going to die. So please make it easier for us to identify you when we fucking find your body floating in the middle of the street. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah like I just, I even just got goosebumps thinking about that. So I think if anything, if you're trying to talk to family members about, I mean, there's so many topics here, right? There's climate change, there's, you know, federal emergency response, there's um, hypocrisy in the way that certain senators request federal aid, but then want to deny it when other states have these issues. If you're getting into these topics with anyone, I feel like you can bring up that simple fact, the right. fact that we knew people were going to die and right. we asked them to make it easier for us to identify them after they yep. did. Yeah. That's gut wrenching. I didn't even, yeah. honestly, I didn't even know about that. It's fucked up. Well, what about the human element? So I thought it was worth touching on climate change because it's being discussed mm -hmm. because it's worth, it's worth noting that climate change makes shit worse in a very, in a very real tangible sense. But what about the human element? The other thing that people are debating um, is because no one, no one, no one is saying that this is anything other than a tragedy. I think it's something like this was earlier today. I saw this figure, so it could be worse. But as of this morning, at least 15 people that they knew of had died in Texas. That's just what they know of. Um, unfortunately, there's probably folks who have drowned and no one knows it yet um, because it's hard to get in touch with anyone and to verify identities and what have you. Um, so no one's saying that this is anything other than a tragedy, but one of the other debates that's going on is why don't people just get the fuck out? Why don't they just leave? Um, and you know what? To be fair, I used to be one of those people. I would totally see storms like this. I'd see all the folks who just were chilling in their house and I go, what the fuck guys? Why aren't you, why aren't you getting the fuck out of Dodge? But I've seen some really interesting and insightful answers as to why they don't. Do you have any thoughts mm -hmm. on that, Laura? Well, to me, the first thing that comes to mind is accessibility of escape. Um, it's really easy to, tell somebody that they should evacuate if they have a car or other means of transport they can pay for if they actually have a place to go. Uh, but if you don't have those things, what do you do? Furthermore, what do you do if you're homeless? Right. You don't right. fucking have a home in the first place. How does anybody expect you to get out? Right. Exactly. 
yeah, that's that's one of the big takeaways um, that I learned through through talking to people who've lived through hurricanes is is number one, like what you're saying, is how how do they even leave? A lot of folks don't have the means or the the resources to get out. For people like myself, that seems sort of unimaginable. Um, but that's because I'm really lucky and I have the means to get out. But for others, that's not true. And CNN actually interviewed um, a gentleman who was homeless and had been living underneath of a bypass. He didn't even know a hurricane was coming. So he didn't even have that warning. And we, they don't know what happened to him. They've been trying to hunt to, to find him and they don't know what became of him. And the takeaway there is that a lot of the folks who are who are hurt worst by hurricanes are low-income people. They are the most vulnerable people. They're the elderly who can't physically get themselves out, even though they might want to. They are the homeless people, like that guy who lived underneath of a bridge and didn't even know the hurricane was coming until he saw it with his own two eyes. They're low-income families who can't afford a bus ticket or a train ticket, much less have a car. Um, so I think that, you know, before we rush to judgment, we should at least check. This is a good time. And I hate to use this phrase unironically, but this is a good time to actually check your privilege and realize that, uh, not everyone has the same means and resources that you have. The second reason I've heard though, and this one is understandable, but slightly, slightly less so. People don't want to leave their homes behind because they think they're going to be able to save them somehow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hear that a lot. And I'm like, listen, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a homeowner. I don't really know what it's like. Laura, you can speak to this better than I can. I don't really know what it's like to save and invest so much of yourself and your and your money and your time into a house. And so I try not to be judgmental, but objectively, I feel like whatever you've put into your house is not worth your life. And I don't really, I don't know. I, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that one. I'll admit. Yeah. I mean, fuck no. I can tell you if somebody told me a cat four hurricane was heading for my house, I'd be like deuces. I'd be out of here so <laughs> fucking quick. Like no, but having said that I was born in Florida and I spent my early childhood in Florida, and I've ridden out hurricanes, and I've seen people do this. So I was gonna and yeah, mm -hmm. go no, go ahead, go ahead. Um, and I lived in Central Florida, so of course, when we were riding out hurricanes, you know, it was mostly like the really rough residual storms, and not actually like the brunt of the hurricane itself. So we didn't have to evacuate. But, I mean, I have friends who grew up in Miami. Uh, actually, one of my really good friends growing up, uh, she was down there during Hurricane Andrew, which was really bad. I mean, it was it was similar. It was on par with Harvey. Um, and her mother packed she and her brother up and took them north, and her father would not leave the house. Right. And her mom yeah. was just like, all right, <laughs> you stay here, you crazy person. And I, I can't help but wonder if some of it might have something to do with the fact that homeowners insurance in, in Florida does not cover water damage a lot of the time, which yep. is ironic because if you're going to get water damage on your home anywhere, it's going to be fucking Florida. Yep. Um, and I can't help but wonder if it's the same in a lot of the other coastal states, you know, along the Gulf. Maybe that's why. Or what if it's all you have? You know, what if this has been your home for 50, 60 years and that's all you know? Right. Yeah. So that was my next question, though, is mm -hmm. have have we lived through hurricanes? Have we experienced mm -hmm. anything like this? Yeah. Yeah. What's the worst I mean, one that you've lived through? Oh gosh, I don't even remember the names, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's all um, right. I wouldn't, to be honest, like, hurricanes, I mean, don't get me wrong, hurricanes are bad, but in my experience, because, like you said, uh, I, like you, am very lucky um, because I have the resources to be able to remove myself from the situation if need be. Um, you know, I never really think that we were in any immediate danger because, like I said, we were in central Florida. So a lot of what we got was residual 
we definitely had some issues of like windows getting blown in and, you know, stuff on the exterior of the house getting fucked up, losing power and water for extended periods of time. Um, but nothing like some of what we've seen with Harvey or Katrina um, or Sandy or Ivan or any of the recent really strong ones that we've had. Right. So, I mean, for me, because I was a kid and because it wasn't terribly serious where we were, it was kind of fun. And that sounds weird to say now, but, you know, to me, I was like five years old. And sure. I remember like the power went out, so we had to eat all the ice cream really quick so it wouldn't melt. So I got to have ice cream for breakfast and, you know, it was a fun thing for me. I mean, yeah, when you're five, that sounds pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what yeah. what people have gone through with this. And who can we who who can we donate to? I feel like the the only people that I've consistently heard that we can give to are the American Red Cross. Yeah, and that's always a pretty safe bet, but I have a a few others here that I want to mm-hmm. point out. Surprisingly, one of and I never would have guessed this, but one of the things that folks need most right now are diapers. Because mm-hmm. diapers are obviously they're not they're they're easily damaged, particularly by water, and so folks have just lost all of all ability to take care of their infants. And so infants and children, toddlers are the ones really suffering right now. And so the Texas Diaper Bank, um, if you just go to texasdiaperbank.networkforgood.com, you can donate there. And they are out there in Houston on the ground helping to hand out diapers and other um, you know, infant type of hygiene products to mothers in shelters. So that's a good resource. Um, because I'm a huge animal lover, I have to, have to, have to encourage everyone to donate to the SPCA of Texas, particularly the SPCA of Austin. Um, oh, also Austin Pets Alive are, are doing great work, but let me see if I can get this, this URL here, but the SPCA of Texas and the SPCA of Austin are both going around the hurricane zone and they're, and they're gathering up animals they see and bringing them to shelter. So the only ones who are really doing that, um, and it's, it's, they're putting their lives at risk for dogs, cats, rabbits, other pets. Um, and Austin is the branch that's taking them all in because it's the nearest large branch to Houston. Um, I'll put links to them and to all the others in the, in the show notes, but to provide food, Houston food bank, if you go to HoustonFoodBank.org, you can donate there. There's also the Galveston Food Bank, which is doing almost as much work um, in terms of you know, per capita, how many, how many people they're reaching. That's the GalvestonCountyFoodBank.org. I'll put links to all of that stuff in the notes, but apart from the Red Cross, uh, those would be my, my top four places. Mm-hmm. Sounds solid. And yeah. if you, you know, if you don't have... If, if you're not able to give financially at this time, of course, if you're in Texas, I know that a lot of, uh, like, the localities around there are actually asking for people who can, like, physically donate their time to come help. So it would be worth reaching out to, like, the local sheriff's office to see what they need. Additionally, just talking about this and raising awareness about it, whether you want to talk about climate change, whether you want to talk about... FEMA's role in all of this, whether FEMA should be more involved in helping get people evacuated, uh, just making sure that the people in your lives are informed and involved so that we can start working towards having these types of natural disasters affect us less and less. Right, exactly. So, not to... Speaking um, of natural disasters. (laughs) Speaking of natural disasters, our president... um, now, this is weirdly enough, unfortunately enough, actually related to Hurricane Harvey because President Trump said at the start of the hurricane, I think it was Friday night, that he decided to pardon Sheriff Joe Arpaio at the start of the hurricane because he thought that that would help foster better ratings. Yep. Yes. He really said that. He really said that he timed the pardon of Joe Arpaio to be with a natural disaster in which 
tens of thousands of people are losing their livelihoods because he wanted a few more people to watch him do it. Um, but let's talk about substantively here. Who is Joe Arpaio? Jesus Christ. I don't know if we have enough time to get into all the fucked up things that this clown has done, but we'll start with some of, we'll start with some of like the more well-known things. And Laura, feel free to jump in at any point. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I found so reprehensible about Joe Arpaio was first and foremost, he really spearheaded one of the worst racial profiling campaigns in modern times. Um, um, he, he oversaw a huge and important um, sheriff's department and law enforcement department. I think it's like the third largest in the country. And mm-hmm. he used that authority to implement racial profiling policies in which they would just stop anyone who looked even vaguely Hispanic or Latino and and harass them. Um, he was found guilty of of breaking Miranda rights, not not actually giving people the rights that that they have, such as um, protection from undue searches and seizures. He was found guilty for tampering with evidence. He was found guilty for neglect, for failing to follow up on on investigations. One such case uh, or cases is the fact that more than four hundred rape cases went deliberately unexamined under his purview because Joe Arpaio claimed that most rapes were just lies and that most of those 400 cases of rapes were reported by undocumented women and he didn't want to, quote, waste time investigating the rape of women who shouldn't be there in the first place. So he he's a rape apologist, number one, and a rampant racist number two. Because of his attitudes towards rape in particular, a mentally disabled woman who had been raped by her uncle repeatedly reported her rape to the authorities, to Sheriff Joe Arpaio's department. Um, Arpaio did not believe her, refused to test the rape kit, and because of this, she was con- she continued to be raped for the next six years until eventually she became pregnant. Then she became pregnant. Um, finally, people started to believe her. And only then was her rape kit tested and it was found to be positive for her uncle, who had been raping her the whole time, just like she said, six years previously. Joe Arpaio let that go deliberately because he just thought she was lying. Because that's what women do, right? We just lie about rape. That's Joe Arpaio for you. There's a lot more than just that, folks. I encourage everyone to research him. Laura, did you have anything else to add? Oh, yeah. Um, So during his tenure, uh, it was reported that inmates inmates were often forced to stay in outdoor tents under the hot sun. This is in Arizona, by the way. Um, When you look at pictures of this and you read the reports of it, they are effectively outdoor concentration camps that these inmates were forced to live in. Sometimes he forced inmates to wear pink underwear for whatever reason. I can only assume humiliation. Um, And also work on chain gangs. Not only that, he's believed to have started the nation's first female chain gang. For those who are unfamiliar with what a chain gang is, it's when you take a group of prisoners and you literally chain them together and force them to perform manual labor. Right. He was found guilty of torture, of violating the Constitution because of his practices in his, in his jails and his prisons. Guilty of torture. And I want to be clear I'm on this point. Guilty. He wasn't accused. He actually went through the justice system. Um, and a court of law, a jury of his peers, found him guilty on all of these charges. He had not yet, however, been sentenced. So he has not yet served any time for all of these crimes. And now he never will because President Trump decided to pardon him, saying that Joe Arpaio was a patriot, had been horribly misjudged, and was, quote, just doing his job. Mm. Yeah. 
I guess it's worth noting that the sheriff was also an early supporter of Trump and gave him his endorsement in January of 2016. Yeah. And so here's the thing. One of, and I fucking hate it when people do this, but one of the pushbacks to, to this, to this news was that Obama also used his power of the pardon to, to, to pardon lots of people that were also controversial. Every president pardons people that were controversial, but one person in particular, um, her name was Katie Pavlich. She's a Fox news Saturday, uh, reporter and a host. And she tweeted, um, quote, your boss pardoned. She was talking by the way to uh, a former Obama official. So by your boss, she means Obama. Pavlik tweeted, quote, your boss, Obama, pardoned a traitor who gave U.S. enemies state secrets, and he also pardoned terrorists who killed Americans, so spare us the lecture. She's apparently referring, respectively here, to Chelsea Manning, the former U.S. Army soldier convicted of leaking military documents, and Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was a former leader of FALN, which was a Puerto Rican paramilitary group responsible for the deaths of six Americans. Now, both Manning and Lopez were two of Obama's most controversial clemency cases. But here's the thing. Obama didn't fucking pardon them. What he did was he granted them commutations. And I know that that sounds like a very, like, unimportant difference but it's not it's a huge difference and and here's the difference a pardon means that that whatever you were convicted of is completely wiped from your record you have no criminal record uh you, it's like you never went to court at all and you don't serve any time and whereas obama when he pardoned manning and and lopez rivera he didn't pardon them. He gave them commutations, which is basically just saying, "We're short. I'm shortening your sentence. But they're still found guilty. Their crimes are still on their records. They're still unable. They, the black cloud will hang over their heads for the rest of their lives, as it should. And, and they still served years. Both Manning and Rivera served years uh, before, before, before they got out. So commutation is just shortening a sentence, but you still carry that criminal record with you the rest of your life. A pardon is you never serve a sentence at fucking all, and you're found to be innocent. Innocent through executive decree. And that's that's the difference. We can have a debate all day about whether Manning or Rivera should have been, their, their sentences should have been commuted or not. But that's not the point. The point is that this is just factually incorrect, that Obama did not pardon them and there is a difference. At least they served time. At least the justice system got to have a say. In Arpaio's case, he never even got to sentencing. That, to me, is insulting to the rule of law in this country. At the bare minimum, he should have been sentenced. Well, you know, if he hadn't been pardoned, then he wouldn't be eligible to join Trump's cabinet. And I'm just oh, waiting God. for that. I'm just fucking waiting for that. I mean, he's got six fucking openings. Why not? Yeah, that's true. He can't keep he can't keep anyone. Maybe the only people he can keep are like I don't know. Just deplorable. Mm. You know, every every day that goes by I think about the thing about Hillary Clinton's basket full of deplorables comment. And I think, I think she nailed it. Yeah. Kind of nailed it. She did. Can we start a new republic where she's the president? Because I would be down to go. Yeah, no shit, man. So, and sorry to continue on this, uh, this downer train, but there's just a lot that needs to be discussed this week. Um, so... Donald Trump is considering sunsetting the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. And what that is, it's, it's a program that actually offers protections to undocumented immigrants who were brought to the United States as children. 
specifically for people under 31 years of age who were brought to the country under the age of 16 and have continuously lived here since 2007. It also covers people who entered the U.S. or fell out of lawful visa status before 2012. It's worth noting here that people who have committed significant misdemeanors like burglary and assault are not eligible. It's also worth noting that DACA does not grant residency or citizenship. Um, However, all of the people covered under DACA have the ability to work and attend school within the U.S. legally. There are currently 800,000 people covered under this program. 800,000. Yeah. And he's talking about sunsetting it. Yeah. That, I think, I think, this is what I don't understand. This program works. Mm-hmm. It works. Okay? Like, this isn't a philosophical debate where, you know, DACA is up for, um, I don't know. Like, it hasn't passed yet. And we're debating whether or not we should do this. It's already the law. It's all. It's already been implemented and so that's it's no longer philosophical it's pragmatic we can see with our own two eyes that it works um i don't understand the only the only explanation for me is that he just really fucking hates these people that's the only thing i can think of and and that i find astounding because as you said laura they're not criminals anyone with any kind of criminal record at all is not eligible and so you can't say that, like, these are rapists and criminals and whatever the fuck else stereotypes that he has um, about the Hispanic community. You can't say that because it is patently untrue. You're not you don't qualify if that's the case. Right. And I did want to take a minute to talk about the background here and also address why this is happening, as well as Trump's flip flopping on this issue. So, of course, when he was a candidate, he was very vocal against DACA and talking about how he was going to, you know, sunset the program immediately once he got into office. Well, once he got into office, he realized you don't just end a program that 800,000 people are benefiting from. Right. It's just not feasible. So then he went back, he rolled it back, and he talked about how he was putting a great deal of thought into it because this is an issue of, quote, heart. Well, then... Nine state attorneys from red states are applying a lot of pressure to the Trump administration to sub- to to sunset the program by September 5th, coming up very soon, or else they'll take their case to challenge it in an unfriendly court, which would be in Texas. If it ends up in court, tr- the Trump administration, more specifically uh, the Justice Department led by Jeff Sessions, is going to be responsible for defending DACA. Right. So as a result of this, he's weighing two options, both of which would sunset the program and prevent anyone who is not currently covered from applying. He's also considering an option that would prevent current DACA beneficiaries from renewing their status every two years. So not only would this prevent people from signing up again, it could completely dismantle the program for the people who are already enrolled in it. And the scary thing about this is that 800,000 people willingly handed over their information and immigration status to the U.S. government, trusting that this program would protect them. And now that information is in the hands of a man who pardoned Joe Arpaio. Right, right. Let that fucking sink in. I just feel so betrayed. Yeah. Just so, so betrayed. And I, I, I can't imagine, I don't know, just the sheer terror that those folks must live in now. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's one thing to, to, we can debate policy and it's one thing to say, oh, I wish this had never been implemented I'll disagree with you, but that's that's valid at least. That's valid. What's not valid is just reneging on our word. That was our fucking word to these people. And we can we can handle immigration reform in a myriad of ways, but losing our moral compass as a nation, 
trying to to kick out or fuck over 800,000 people who who came here as kids who had no say in that one way or the other who did nothing wrong I I I can't I can't wrap my head around around that on a, on a moral level. I just can't. I think that this is this is reprehensible. Right. And the thing to consider too is for many of these people the US is the only country they've ever known. You talk about deporting someone back to El Salvador, someone who doesn't speak Spanish or know any of their family there. Why why would you want to do that? Why would you want to take somebody who has built their life here, who grew up as a normal American teenager, just like the rest of us, right? and is now going to college here, is entering our workforce and contributing to our economy. These are people right. who have worked incredibly hard and they do nothing but benefit our country by being here. And if right. you want to upend their lives, if you want to pull the carpet out from under them because, what, their only crime was coming here when they were kids against their free will, if that's what you want to do, then you're a dead set cunt. <laughs> yeah. Well said. I agree. I agree. I just, like, the like you need, like, you really need to fucking think about this because 800,000 people... I promise you, you know at least one person who yep. benefits from this program. Yep. Think long and hard about that. It could be your classmate. It could be one of your friends. It could be your coworker. It could be somebody that you fucking pass at the grocery store twice a week. Think about, think about not seeing that person one day. Think about them just being gone. And I, I have to say, I am not... On, on when it comes to immigration, I am pretty middle of the road. I am not. I don't. I don't always align with with the left on their ideas. I've plenty of times gotten into arguments with liberals about immigration reform um, because I am someone who who thinks that it's every country's prerogative to have a strong border and to decide who gets to come and who doesn't, and um, and things like that. But this isn't that. This isn't that. Um, and th we have to be able, we have to be able to parse the difference. You know, I, 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 I'm not in favor of deportation under any circumstances, frankly, unless you are a criminal, then obviously, yes, get the fuck out. But I'm not in favor of deportation under any circumstances, but no one should be in favor of deporting People who came here as, as children had no control over that um, and who have lived among us and they've, they've lived among us. They've worshiped among us. They go to school with us. They are our neighbors um, and they've done nothing wrong. And if that isn't an American, I don't know what is. If, if people who, who've gone to our schools, who work in our stores and for our companies who are our friends and they're law-abiding citizens, like or law-abiding um, residents. What what more do you need? What more do you need to be considered an American? A piece of paper that says that you are? I don't. I don't believe that. No. Well, we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on this in the coming days because uh, this decision is kind of looming. Because as I mentioned. Uh, the deadline is September 5th for the Trump administration to make a decision about how they're going to approach this. Um, so now would be a good time to be reaching out to your representatives to let them know how you feel about that, about this. Let them know um, that you want them to voice up, that you want them to speak out about this against President Trump dismantling the program. And, you know, you can also tweet the president because he likes to hang out there a lot. So... <laughs> that he does fuck well we've reached the end of the episode thanks for bearing with us I know it was a lot of heavy stuff we had to get through this week um, but it's just shit, it's just it's too important it's too important we're living in very unprecedented times right now 
and we would welcome your feedback. So if there's anything that you think we missed in the discussion or anything you would like to add, just reach out to us, millennialshow at gmail.com. I can't talk anymore. Um, just to want to plug a couple of things before we sign out here. Uh, so the new Patreon benefits are coming soon. Um, we're going to, I guess, formally announce them this week or next week, but we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a preview ahead of time. And they're going to be available as of September 1st. And coming up in After Dark, one big ass Game of Thrones discussion. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Do you wanna say do you wanna say this next part in the Jon Snow voice? <laughs> I don't know how to have a Jon Snow voice. Here, I'll do it, I'll do it. Spoilers are coming. <laughs> Spoilers are coming. Yeah, I don't, good, I, don't, actually, I, I don't know how to say that spoilers in the Jon Snow voice. Spoilers. Spoilers are coming. I I don't know either. I, I try and just like sulk a whole lot. <laughs> I know. Fuck. I'm, we're going to talk about how I'm really sick of Jon Snow and I just don't care about him anymore. And to play us out of the show this week, we have a special song for all of you dreamers at home. We love you. We love you guys, and we are with you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for Season 3, Episode 33. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Andrew. Harry <laughs> <laughs> Potter. We can we can play the Game of Thrones theme music. I was gonna ask you to do that. <laughs> okay. Do you want to like hum it ourselves? Yeah. To like simulate the. the Where are feel? we start? Like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. We'll just start with like the yeah. Okay. Ready. <laughs> Ready. Okay. <laughs>